0: Hi, I'm Josh van Burkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. Well, good morning and welcome to Activate Online. Thank you so much for watching today. Uh, We've got a significant weekend here in New Zealand this weekend and in Australia as well. It is Anzac weekend. Uh, In particular, we remember the 25th of April, which was yesterday, Saturday, because on the 25th of April 1915, Uh, Australian and New Zealand soldiers marched up the beach at Gallipoli, along with other allied forces. A very, very famous battle in World War I. They were trying to take the Dardanelles, which was a body of waterways that were running through the area. The idea was to clear up a space for the allied forces to get through to the Black Sea. Now, ultimately, they weren't successful. It was staunchly defended by uh, tens of thousands of Ottoman Turks, and they managed to hold the allies off, but they took significant casualties. 87. Thousand Ottoman Turks were killed in the Battle of Gallipoli. According to the reports that I read this week, uh, Allied forces, about 44,000 men died, of which 8,500 were Australian and 2,279 New Zealanders lost their lives. One in six New Zealanders that fought at Gallipoli uh, were cut down at Gallipoli. So this weekend, you know, we stop and we remember the sacrifice that they made and the courage and the bravery that they showed in battle. And so this morning, I wanted to just uh, camp around that theme of battle. Uh, So we're going to take a break just for a week or two from our uh, Ten Commandments series. We might pick that up next Sunday. And this morning, I just wanted to focus on uh, battle because the truth is that we are all of us in a battle. Uh, I think it's fair to say that there's a lot of anxiety around. There's a lot of Apprehension around, there's a lot of stress, and we are having to deal with a lot. And I know that there were some memes that came out, you know, right at the start of the lockdown, and they said things like, you know, our, our grandparents and our great grandparents went off to war, and you're just being asked to watch Netflix for a couple of weeks, and everyone kind of laughed, and we laughed, it's not a big deal. And I think it's no one saying that what we're having to go through is the equivalent to what the soldiers went through at Gallipoli, of course, but it has been a bigger deal than just watching Netflix for a couple of weeks. I mean, we've had to deal with a global pandemic massive uncertainty around the economy. Do people have jobs? Kids are being pulled out of school and already stressed out parents are having to try and homeschool their kids with no experience or or really any homeschooling knowledge. It's a very, very stressful time. Uh, And then on top of that, there's a whole wide variety of different theories and thoughts around all sorts of different things. There's no denying that we are in a battle and we are in a battle for our Mind, we're in a battle for our thoughts, and so I, I wanted to make two points this morning. There are two takeaways that I have this mm, takeaways. We're only a couple days away from takeaways. What are you gonna get? I've been reading the news reports like crazy. Which stores are opening up? I said that McDonald's has said that they're confident they're gonna have their drive through going. Subway have said, Yep, yeah, we can do it. KFC is gonna open up on a restaurant by restaurant basis. I mean, I am across it, man. I've you know, in the oh, takeaways totally distracted myself, anyway. I've got two takeaways this morning around this this idea of battle. I think one of the advantages that the uh, the ANZACS had at Gallipoli over us as Christians today is they had a much better handle on where the battle was being fought than we have. I mean, you don't hear any reports about ANZAC soldiers, you know, boating up to a beach and the ramps jumping down and the soldiers storming up towards the dunes and halfway up they stop and they're like, "Oh, bro." I don't think we're at the right beach. There's none soldiers here. Nah, mate, this is the wrong beach. We're at the wrong beach, man. Oh, you don't hear stories like that, right? Because that didn't happen. Because they knew where they had to go. They knew where the battle was. And I think a lot of Christians today, they don't, they either don't know or we've forgotten where our battles are fought. And they are fought here. They are fought in the mind. And the sad truth is that even if you're a fantastic warrior, even if you're a great fighter, even if you're armed to the teeth with all these different spiritual tools that you have, if you don't know where the battle is, you will lose by default. When I was a kid, um, we're talking 19, 11 years old, I loved playing football. I loved playing soccer. And I was really good at it. And I was fortunate enough to play in a team that was filled with guys my age who were all really good at it. I played for New Brighton. Our home ground was Bexley over on the east part of town just past the bridge. It was awesome. I have so many, some of my best memories uh, on a soccer field at that sort of age, 19, 11, 12. I just absolutely loved it. And normally, in a team like that, you've got a couple of boys who are maybe a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit faster. You know, they've just developed physically a bit more. Then you've got a couple of boys who are the opposite, they're smaller, they're slower, haven't quite caught up. And then the rest of the team's kind of a mixture of the two, they're sort of averaged out. And so at the end of it, you have a team that's, that's okay. You know, you win some, you lose some, that's kind of how it works. Well, I don't know how it happened, but I just ended up in a team that was unbeatable. I'm not even joking. We went for like two years without losing a game. We didn't even come close to losing a game. Uh, There were Articles in the paper about us. We were on CTV. We were famous uh, because we could not be beaten. We just had eleven or twelve guys that were all nine or ten, years, and we were just awesome. And I remember, I still remember, at the age of nine, putting twenty-one goals past a team, and the coach coming to our coach at halftime. It was twelve-nil at halftime, and he said, "Hey, look, this clearly we're outmatched. Can we just switch the teams around and have a bit of fun?" And our coach said. Nah, nah, we're still working on some combinations, we'll just keep it as, which was super mean, now that I look back. this is a horrible thing to say, and just the absolute dejection that the other team had as we just ran through them, just goal, 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 goal. I know what you're thinking, you're thinking, oh, that must have been really boring, Josh, to just win by that many goals all the time. Nah, it was awesome, man, it was so great. We were awesome. And one day we went across town to play a team on the other side of Christchurch and it was the sort of team that we would have smashed. You know, we could have had seven players on a team and they've got 11. We still would have beaten them easily and they just never showed up. Or so we thought until we realized too late that we were at the wrong ground, that we'd gone across town, we'd gone to the wrong park and we went where we were supposed to be. And so we ended up defaulting the game through just being at the wrong Place So even though we could have beaten them easily because we weren't where the battle was supposed to be, we just defaulted. We we lost by default without even a ball being kicked. And the truth is that that's how a lot of Christians operate. They don't recognize that the battle they are fighting is here in their mind. And so because they don't know that's where the battle is... They lose by default. We lose by default. I think very often, even though I know it's there, I forget. I forget all the time that this is where the battle is being fought. So I've got two takeaways uh, for this morning. The first takeaway is this. We have to know where our battle is being fought and it's being fought here in the mind. Look at what Paul says. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. He says this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they hold divine power to demolish strongholds. Look at this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What's Paul saying here? He's saying, hey guys, look, look, look. We have got an entirely new weapon system. It is far above and beyond anything the world has to offer. It is, it is supernatural in nature. It is divine in nature. We can do things with this supernatural weapon system that no one in the world can do. Let me show you how it works. He says, let me show you how this works. Let me give you some examples of what this weapon system does. Right? And the first thing he says is it demolishes arguments. The King James Version says imaginations. Now, where do arguments and imaginations originate? Where do we construct our arguments? Where, do, where does our imagination live? It lives here, in our mind. The second thing he says is, and we demolish any pretense that would look to you know, attack our knowledge of God. Anything that comes against our knowledge of God, we're like... You know? So where does our knowledge live? Where, does, where is our knowledge based? Where do we hold our knowledge again? It's here in the mind. And then the third use of these supernatural weapons is to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Where do our thoughts live? Again, the mind, right? So what Paul is saying here is that, hey, we've got this supernatural weapon system. Let me show you how it works. And every example he gives has to do with our mind. Our battle is in our mind. And the reason the battle is in our mind is because neither Jesus nor the devil, can operate without one very important thing that they require from us. Both Jesus and the devil are looking for the same thing from you and from me, and that is our agreement. Jesus is such a gentleman. He will not force himself upon us without our acceptance. He will not force anything on us without our agreement. The devil is powerless. He cannot force anything on us without our agreement. He is toothless. He gums his food like a decrepit old man. He's the the classic, you know, Scooby-Doo villain who looks like he's the scary thing. And then at the end of the episode, you pull the mask off and you're like, ah, it's just Uncle Derek or whatever it might be. You know, he has no, Power. Uh, The Bible says that Jesus said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So if Jesus has all authority, how much does that leave for the devil? This is like a Sesame Street question, right? Jesus has all the cake. How much cake does the devil have? None. Right? If Jesus has got all of something, that means there is nothing for the devil. Jesus has all authority. The devil has nothing. It says in the Bible that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking at whom he may, not can, but whom he may, who he has permission to, who he can, who he's allowed to get to. And that permission comes from us. So you know, Jesus and the devil are both fighting over our agreement. And every day. Hundreds, maybe even thousands of times a day, we are fighting that battle where we have to choose do I agree with Jesus? Do I agree with the devil? You know, you're ugly, you're beautiful, who do I agree with? You know, you are blessed, you're cursed, who do I agree with? You should be really concerned about this, it's okay, I've got it under control, who do I agree with? You have no future, you have a future, who do I agree with? Always, always, they are presenting us with opposites and we choose who we go with. And that choice happens in our mind. Let me give you an example. This is probably, not even probably, definitely the single biggest battle that has ever been fought in humankind. And it was fought between the devil and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Look at what Paul says. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. He says this, I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, Your minds, there it is again, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Paul says, I'm scared guys. I'm scared that the same way the devil tricked Eve, he's going to trick you and lead your minds to where they're not supposed to go. So let's just take a quick look at this conversation that the devil had with Eve, because there's one more takeaway for this morning that I want to highlight. Uh, to give you the backstory, we're gonna be in Genesis chapter three, that's where it all happens. But quick backstory, God's made the earth, God's put the garden on the earth, he's put Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, you can eat from any tree that you want, you can't touch that tree. You know, you're, you can't touch it. Bum, 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 bum. Can't touch it, right? That's where that song started. So that's the story. Now we go to Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are hanging out. The devil comes along, the enemy comes along in the form of a serpent. He says to Eve, hey Eve, what's up? You know, And Eve says, whoa, a talking snake. No, she doesn't. I don't know why she doesn't react to that. You can read into that what you will. But Eve makes a massive mistake. First of all, she—excuse me she starts talking with him. And that's a huge mistake. Guys, when the devil starts talking to us, you don't talk back. You don't engage in conversation. You just throw a rock at his face. You tell him to shut up. You say what Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Although he did say it to Peter. But still, you just don't talk with him. Here's the truth: this guy, he has been arguing with people for you know billions of people for thousands of years. He is far better at arguing and manipulating and you know dissecting things than we will ever be. Don't even go there. As soon as he starts talking, rock in the face. That's what Eve should have done. Anyway, he says, hey, Eve, did God really say that you're not allowed to eat from that tree? And here's the interesting thing. Eve says, yes, he did say we're not allowed to eat from that tree. And then she adds something extra. She says, and we're not allowed to touch it. Now, here's the weird thing. God actually never said you're not allowed to touch it. I know I was being silly before with the MC Hammer song, but he never said you're not allowed to touch it. He said, you can't eat from the tree. So why would Eve add that extra bit in there? Where did that bit come from? Here's the interesting thing. If you look at Genesis chapter 2, you see the order of things. It says that God made the garden. God put Adam in the garden. God told Adam, you are not allowed to eat from that tree. And then God made Eve. Eve was not there when God said you were not allowed to eat from that tree. A lot of people ask, why did the devil try and tempt Eve? Why didn't he go for Adam? And some people, stupid people, say things like, oh, because you know, he knew that women aren't as smart as men. That's ridiculous. Women are obviously as smart as men and in a lot of areas, smarter. That's not it at all. Anyone who tries to make any argument that it's got something to do with women being a weaker sex than men is off their tree. It's not that at all. The reason that the devil targeted Eve was because Eve didn't hear God say it, so you've got Adam who has first-hand revelation. He was there when God said it. He could look into His eyes. He could sense His heart when God said, "Hey, mate, you can't eat from that tree." But I don't. And he would have seen the smile on His face, and maybe he would have said, look, I know it's tempting, but just don't do it." You know, he was there for that conversation. It was first-hand revelation knowledge, but Eve didn't have that. And you can just imagine the scenario, Adam and Eve are walking around the garden, and Adam's going, yep, we've got apple trees there, babe, and we've got orange trees there, and we've got, oh, you see that tree there? Mate, don't Eve, don't even touch it. Like, just don't even touch it. And Eve would have gone, oh yeah, okay then. But here comes the devil along, and he says to Eve, the reason God doesn't want you to do it is because he thinks you'll end up like him. And Eve doesn't have any of the... Any of that experience of hearing God say it. She wasn't able to hear his heart. She wasn't able to look into his face and see his countenance when he said it. She just has the nuts and bolts of information. She has secondhand revelation and it's not strong enough to withstand the devil's logic. And so the Bible says that when she saw And that word saw means to consider. She saw it. She thought about it. It doesn't just mean like a bird flew past. Oh, look a bird. She saw it. She looked at it. She thought about what it said. She considered it. All this is happening where? In her mind. It says she saw that it was good for eating. She saw that it was pleasing to the eye. She saw that it was desirable for gaining knowledge. She's processing all of this in her mind. And then she decides, you know what? I don't agree with God. I agree with the enemy on this. And she took the fruit. And she ate it. I don't know if Adam would have done that. Not because he's any smarter or greater, but because he had that experience with God. Imagine what would have happened if Eve, when Adam said, you can't touch that tree, babe. She said, why not? Just God said. Imagine if she said, well, I'm going to go find out about that. And she went to God and said, God, Adam said we can't eat from that tree. What's the deal? God would have said, yeah, that's right, you can't eat from that tree. You know, let, me, let me explain to you why you can't eat from that tree. And he would have unpacked it to her and she would have heard it from him and she would have, it would have solidified in her in a big way. So my second takeaway, I guess, for this morning is that, yeah, the battle is in our mind. But if you want to be strong in your mind, if you want to be able to resist the attacks that the devil is making on you, you have to have firsthand revelation from God. You cannot rely on other people's stuff. And so as your pastor, I'm telling you, you cannot rely on what I'm saying. I don't want to ever hear someone say, well, Josh said. Blah, blah, blah. Don't say that. If I say something, go and check it. Like I just gave you two Bible verses. Go check them. What if they're not right? What if, what if I've changed the word somehow? What if I've misinterpreted? I get things wrong all the time. Maybe not all the time. Calm down. But sometimes I get things wrong. You've got to be able to take what you hear, whether it's from me or from somebody else, take it to the Father and say, God, I heard this about you. I heard that you said this. Did you say that? What's the context here? Have a conversation. Turn it from second-hand information to first-hand revelation. I believe that if Eve had had that conversation with God, if she'd looked into his eyes, if she'd seen his face, if she'd picked up on his heart and his spirit when he gave that instruction... That when the devil said he just wants, he's just scared you're going to be like him, she would have said, "Ugh, you're such an idiot." No, he's not. You don't know him like I do him. But she couldn't. She didn't have that inside of her because she hadn't had that encounter. So my first takeaway is that our battle is in our mind, and our second takeaway this morning is that we have to get first-hand revelation from God. Make sense. Awesome. And hey, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to finish off by singing the national anthem. It is Anzac weekend. But before we do, let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for everybody that is watching. And God, for everyone that is sitting at home or wherever it is that they're watching who's going, I want that first hand revelation. God, I don't want to just hear about you from other people. I want to hear you. I just, I don't want to hear about other people's stories. I want to encounter you myself. In fact, if that's you this morning, if you're at home and you're thinking, I want to hear God's voice for myself, I don't want to have to rely on what Josh says or what anyone else that I listen to says. I want to hear God's voice for myself. Then I want you to just put your hand out like this. Just, just stretch your hand out right now. This is just you saying, I want that. You know, Physical obedience brings spiritual release. So put that hand out right now and say, God, I pray for every single person that has their arm out right now that you would meet them where they are at, God, that they would hear your voice. God, I pray for an opening of their ears. I pray for an opening of their eyes and an opening of their spirits. Lord, that they would hear your voice, that they would see you move, that they would sense your presence in a way that they never have before. God, I thank you so much that you love us and that you want to be with us, that even when we are faithless, you are faithful, your word says, God, and I know so I've prayed that prayer so many times. It is the, one of the verses in the Bible that I'm most thankful for, that even when I am faithless, you are faithful. And so right now, if that's you this morning and you're going, that's, that's been me, I've been faithless, don't worry. God is faithful and he loves you and he wants to do life with you.